This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Eight years. Eight years of the bridge. Isn't that awesome? I've only been here for three, but eight years, that's... that's see, I mean, three years has flown by. I don't know what you guys that experienced eight, I don't know what it's been like for you, but it seems like about two weeks for me in these three years that I've been a part of this. And to get to do this along with cutting open the doors to the youth space and letting the students in, that's what an awesome day right here around the holidays, getting to share a meal with all of you. Can I, can I just encourage you one thing before I step into this message? I, we very rarely ever get to do this. There's probably people in this room you do not know, because I know how many people have come in the last couple of years, and with doing two services, it's very hard to get to know others. So find some people you don't know today, sit down at the table and have a meal with them, and get to know some people that maybe you don't already know. This is a great opportunity, and I don't know that we will get this chance again. Look around, there's not a lot of room here, so if we keep growing like we have been, probably the last chance we're going to have to meet as one service, one church in this place. So take advantage and enjoy today. As we are in the holidays, I will not lie to you, my wife is very good at making sure we enjoy the holiday season. We have lots of traditions in our house. We, uh, this weekend, we actually took time to decorate gingerbread houses. Probably not my number one thing on the list, but we had a blast doing it. I think her and Connor beat Tessa and I, which I was a little mad about. First time ever, which made me even more angry, but that's okay. I've got next year. No, we even went to see Santa Claus at St. Joe. It's the same Santa Claus my, my children have been seeing since they were little. Um, but all of this kind of stuff we do every year. It's the month of December that we celebrate Christmas at our house. And it's something we enjoy doing. But there's been this little thing between Courtney and I for years, especially when our kids were younger. It's not so much now. But when they were younger, when they were really small, she started doing these things with them. And I would say, why in the world are you going all out when they're so young? They're not even going to remember this. So she, she just, I, every time birthdays, she would do some big birthday party. I'm like, they're never going to remember this. So finally, she just looked at me one day and she's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to just lock them in the closet till they can remember? Is that what you want? No, I don't think that's what I want. We're not those people. But remembering is actually important. Remembering is a good thing. We want to remember those anniversaries, right guys? It's important, but you try to remember the birthdays of loved ones. Uh, we like to reminisce about old times, because remembering is important. How many good conversations have began with, hey, do you remember when? I think of four years ago, before we moved here, 4th of July, we had Courtney's family at our house, and we're going to do some fireworks. And so I had all these big ones we're going to shoot up in the air, and we were going to have a blast right out in the front yard. And so her brother and his family are there, and her parents were with us, and we're shooting off fireworks, and we would light them and run up on the front porch and watch them go up and, and, and take off. And probably due to the lack of preparation on my part, because I'm the one shooting them off, one of them I lit, and as soon as the first one went up, the firework fell over. And it started shooting right at the front porch, right where we were standing. And we're just like, 
I mean, in this moment, nobody said a word. We all just went boom and just spread. Courtney and her mom, and I think Connor maybe, jumped for the inside of the house. They swing the front door open, and they're going inside. As they do, one of the fireworks shoots right in the door, bounced off and hit a wall. Kid you not, there's a black mark from that. So uh, as that happened, my father-in-law is over on this side of the porch with my brother-in-law behind him. And all we see, somehow we all saw this, I don't know how, but is my father-in-law flying off the porch and doing a somersault in the grass. Now, we all think that Travis was trying to save himself and he shoved him out of the way in order to get off the porch. But Travis is still holding to the fact that he was saving his dad by pushing him off the porch to get him out of the way of the line of fire. But I still think he was pushing him out of the way. In the midst of all that, the smoke clears... And here's Tessa right in the middle of the porch. She didn't move. She didn't do anything. She was like, she just stood there. And so every 4th of July, we love remembering that story. Remembering is important. Remembering is important to God too. Now, if I were to tell you that today is the last opportunity you're going to have to speak to your loved ones. When you go home today, how many of you know you would be thinking What am I going to say in this moment? I want to make sure I say some pretty important things to my loved ones before I leave. And we see this scenario played out in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 22. And Jesus is with his disciples. And he's spending some last moments with them. Knowing that he's not going to be there very long. And they're sharing a meal. They're actually celebrating the Passover. And out of nowhere, Jesus began to take some bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat all of you, and do this, what? In remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and he said, this this is my blood, the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So in Jesus' last moments on this earth, he chose to give them a symbol, an act of remembrance. Because he knew it was critical for them to remember him as followers. To remember who he was and why he came to this earth. It's why we receive communion. Remembering is important to God. Which brings me to the first point. I don't even have a bulletin on me, but if you look on the back of your bulletin, I have two simple points today. And the first one is this, remembering God's faithfulness from the past allows us to trust him in the present. Remembering what he has done in the past is what allows us to trust him in what's going on in our life right now. And again, we have some great examples of this in God's word. We're going to be in the Old Testament a lot today. I want to share with you the story of God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. So if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, we're going, to, we're going to begin by reading there and see this portrayed in the story of Moses and Joshua both delivering the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. To give you a little context as to what we're about to read, Moses is speaking and he's already done his part. He's brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And actually, he's about to go away. He's headed up on the mountain, but before he does, before they go into the promised land, he kind of wants to give his farewell speech. And that's what we're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 17 through 19. This is what it says. You may say to yourselves, 
These nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. What's it say? Remember well. Everybody say, remember well. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought them out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the people you now fear. Can I tell you, whatever you're facing today, this is a great reminder. Do not be afraid. Remember well what the Lord your God has done. If, you will give, if, if, if I will give you, uh, if, excuse me, this will give you, I know I get there, the will to be able to trust him in the moment that you're in. If you will remember what God has done in the past. They needed to be reminded because they had already forgotten. We're going to see some, uh, some, some situations where they forgot. What would have been an 11-day journey out of Egypt and into the promised land Many of you know this, it took 40 years. Why? Because they forgot. It took them 40 years. You talk about a detour. What could have taken 11 days took 40 years. God had removed them from Egyptian bondage and brought them. He's headed, bringing them into the promised land. He had performed miracles to do so, yet they still forgot. And the reason I'm looking at this story today is God has brought us to this place. We are seeing God do incredible things week after week, and I don't ever want to forget what God is doing and why he's doing it. I got one amen. That's awesome. Thank you, TJ. We have to have a possession mentality. A possession mentality. Did you know 35 times just in the book of Deuteronomy, God uses the phrase, Go in and possess. Go in and possess. He's reminding them, I've already done the work. I fought the battle for you. Go in and possess. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sion and his land over to you. Begin to possess it, that you may inherit his land. So see, there are passive people and there are possession people. Now, I don't want you to get misunderstood here and, or misunderstand me here and think that what I'm saying in possession is that we just go around thinking everything's ours. Not a selfish mentality, but a possession mentality. It's being willing to go in and possess what we've already inherited. It's been willing to take hold of what God has already given us. Others want to pray and they want to wait for God to do what he's already done. And here he keeps encouraging them, go in and possess. God has truly blessed this church. And as your pastor, I want to lead us in, in thinking that we are a church that has a possession mentality, that that possession mentality, it's what will keep us moving forward. We are going to remember what happened, but we are not going to stay looking back only to go, wow, look what God did. No, it's what God's going to do in the future. Can you say amen to that? There is so much more ahead of us, and I don't want to forget what he's already done, which allows me to trust him in the moment. I said this at the offering time, what we are experiencing is not normal. In a town our size, on the tail end of a pandemic that doesn't seem to want to go away, 
We keep thinking, oh, we're at the end. Nope, it keeps popping back up. But can I tell you, there are churches that have shut down. There are churches that had to just go on hold. There are churches that had to lay off. And what, we're adding on to the building because we're out of space. This is not normal. God is doing something here. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you haven't talked to many other people about church. This is not normal. God is doing something incredible here. And how did we get here? It's by remembering what happened before us. That's what brought us to this point. We've mentioned before that when when Courtney and I came here, the first thing we did was Pastor Mark was hired the week before us. He was kind of hired as music and kids. And we realized that we needed to put some focus on the kids. I didn't expect to do this. I didn't come here to do this. But I said, Mark, I'm going to take the music. You go deal with the kids and have some great time with them and, and give them what they need and the time and attention that they need. And God began to bless that. And before long, we're like, you know what? It's youth ministry time. We've we got to focus on our students. And we've told you the story recently of how we began that by just asking some volunteers to step in. But we realized very quickly that that was going to need a full-time person. So we stepped out in faith, and we said, we're going to hire somebody in that position. And so Josh and Heather came on. I think they're here today. Josh and Heather, are you here? Right there. I didn't even see you guys. Hello, I thought you were coming. Yeah, give them a hand. It's good to have you with us. By faith, we asked them to step into that position. And you know what God did. That's why we're here today. It's why we're celebrating is God began to grow that. God took care of it. And before long, I'm thinking, man, we got to have a space. And you remember, I mean, we've been through this together. We had a campus across town, the Third Street campus. Here's the problem. We're talking about students who can't drive. It's kind of hard to have ministry going here and ministry going there. It's kind of hard to be off campus. So we began to look, how can we make this happen here? We probably need to do something with that building. They had tried to sell the building before and it didn't sell. But God took care of it. God was faithful and he helped us find a buyer for that building, which allowed us to pay down on the note here which made the payment cheaper, which caused us to be able to go, hey, Suddenlink, we're going to need your space. I'm sorry, but we can't rent you anymore. You understand the rental to the Suddenlink and Salon were what we're paying the mortgage payment for this. Another step of faith to go, hey, we're going to need that space. Here we go. And you know what? God took care of it. When I stood here a few months ago and told you what we were going to do and we need to raise some money, can I tell you, it sounded a little crazy to me. Still does. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I didn't know how we were going to do it. I just stepped out in faith and shared the vision that I had. And I got to tell you, there's been some crazy things that happened. I didn't see this coming. Can I tell you, when, when I got a phone call and $10,000 came in from someone who doesn't go to church here, doesn't even live in this community, they just heard what we were doing and they were willing to give to this space. How incredible is that? I'm going to try to share this without getting emotional. I'll, I'll just tell you right now we're at 140000 of the 200000 that we asked for. And when we, when we were trying to figure out how we were going to do the youth space, we were adding bathrooms so they'd have a place to go there, wouldn't have to come across to our other restrooms. And so we had two contractors we were working with. Jeff Smith did the youth space, and then Dustin 
Struby, right here in our church, decided he would, he would take on the bathrooms. Both gave us a bid, both turned them in. The board decided this is what we were going to do, so this is how we went. And I'll tell you what, I got a text message last week. As we're on the tail end of all this, the youth space is done. We are just finishing up the final touches on the bathrooms, and they're going to be done. And Dustin sent me a text message. And he said, hey, we're going to be way under budget. And I said, what? And he says, we are donating all the electrical, plumbing, flooring labor, and vanities. What? (laughs) Yeah, you can give God praise for that. This is not to prop Dustin up. He did not ask me to say this. He didn't want me to say this. But I'm telling you this because I didn't see that coming. That's God being faithful in this. That's 20, almost 25,000, if not more, that's going to be donated that we don't have to raise now. You understand? That's incredible. And that's how God, he knew this was going to happen. It didn't happen the way I thought it would. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But here we are, and we're celebrating this, which brings me to point number two. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past directs our actions in the future. It's how we're going to keep moving forward. It's how we're going to have that possession mentality to say, you know what, God has already done so much in the past. Why would we stop now? Why would we stop and just sit back and go, oh, look what God did. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you something? The work has just begun. It's just getting started. Getting the space here was a step of faith, but it's a bigger step of faith to go, okay, God, you answered. It's here. Now what? We're going to need your help. We're going to need you because we have this space. Can I, I hate to tell you this, but it's already full. The day we open it, we've already got enough students to fill what we have. How awesome is that? Thank you, Lord, for that. But can I, we got to have people to man it. We're going to have it open in the afternoons. Courtney mentioned this earlier. On our website, you can go on there and you can see when it's going to be open. You can volunteer to say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll run the coffee shop for you. Or I'll be there just to, to, to have some adult there to oversee it while it's open. I'll be there to tutor students so they can come in and get help after school. We have so many plans for this and it's going to involve you and I. The work has just begun, and like it or not, if you're here today, you're part of this. The week before I came, August of 2018, Jim Blackford and Randy Arnold stood up here and kind of shared the vision that they had for this church. And Jim was kind enough to share his notes with me after that meeting. And one of the things I will never forget that was said And this is as much for you as it is for me. It's for all of us today. He said, your role will shift from being a product of the vision to being a participant in fulfilling the next phase of the vision. Now, let me say that again. I don't want you to miss it. Your role will shift from being a product of the vision to being a participant in fulfilling the next phase of the vision. I just need to let that sink in just a moment. Okay, now we can move on. Joshua chapter 3. This is a continuation of the story, okay? Moses has moved on. Joshua is now in charge. He's leading the children of Israel, and they're about to head into the promised land. The Israelites are about to go over into it, but after 40 years of wandering, they now get to the Jordan River, and they have to cross it. 
Now, typically, that wouldn't be a big deal because the, the Jordan River was typically about 40 feet wide. I've been there. I've seen it. It wasn't real wide. It wasn't even real deep. But in the spring, when the rains came, it would flood. This is when the Israelites get there, and the rains have come. It's flooded. It could be up to 150 feet deep and as much as a mile wide. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of people that need to cross. Again, it's an obstacle. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, Shittim, however you want to say that, and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So what are they going to do? All these thousands of people, they had to have some order to this. So they're preparing them to cross over the Jordan River. And they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow the Ark of the Covenant. When you see it move, when it's going, then you're going to be able to follow behind it. Look at verse 3. I love this line. Excuse me, verse 4 of Joshua 3. Then you will know which way to go. As they're following the ark, you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Now that's adventure. You have never been this way before. For God to do what he wants to do, we have to be willing to go where we've never gone. I didn't get any amens on that. Let me try that again. For God to be willing to do what he wants to do, we have to be willing to go where we've never gone. Can you say amen to that? That amen means you're willing. That amen says that you're going, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's go where we've never gone. I don't know about you, but I've seen God do some pretty amazing things, haven't you? We've witnessed that right here. But I'm not done. I don't just want to live on what I've seen. I'm ready to see something new. I'm ready for God to do something new in me and through me into others. I pray you'll go with me. So they came up to the river. It's flooded. What are we going to do now? Look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. What a cool thing. They've been waiting for a long time to cross over. And here it is. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up, went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Just as he had delivered them out of Egypt with Moses, he was going to deliver them into the promised land with Joshua. But they had to consecrate themselves. They had to be set apart is actually what that means in the Hebrew. To sanctify themselves. For God was going to do something amazing among them. In the journey of following Christ... I am so thankful that I am not where I used to be. But can I tell you something? Tomorrow, I'm not going to be here. I'm going on. It's a possession mentality. I'm moving forward, and I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do, and I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to be faithful to Him because He has been faithful to us. We're following Him, and we're going to follow the way the Israelites did. Joshua chapter 3, verse 8 says, Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Can you imagine being the first one carrying that? Looking at the water flowing. Hey, can I trade places? I went first yesterday. You go. This was an impossible thing. The waters are flowing, but they are told to stand in the river. 
Can I tell you something? The possible doesn't require God. There's a quote I heard once from a pastor. He said, attempt something so impossible that unless God is in it, it's doomed for failure. Attempt something so impossible that unless God is in it, it's doomed for failure. It wasn't until their feet hit the water, but when they were willing to step in the water, the waters began to part. And they walked across on dry ground, just as they had done for Mo- with Moses. When Moses lifted up his hands and God began to part the Red Sea and they crossed on dry ground, in the same way, the moment the priest's feet hit the water, it began to part and they crossed on dry ground. The minute they had the faith to step in the water, God began to move. Remembering what God has done in the past allows us to move forward in the promises of what God has for us. And we're not just going to move forward on some muddy, knee-deep, trying to get across the river. We're walking across on dry ground, just like he's done in the past. I love this next part. All these hundreds of thousands of people get across the river. God stops them. And he tells Joshua this. He says, I want you to go back Pick up 12 stones from the middle of the river and you bring them back and you build a pillar, otherwise build an altar. There's 12 tribes of Israel and God was saying, take one from each tribe, go back to that dry ground in the middle of the river and you grab a stone and you come back and you build an altar, you build a pillar. And look at Joshua chapter four, verses six and seven. This is what it says. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Not if they ask you, because you know kids, they're going to ask. they got all kinds of questions. When they ask, you tell them what God did. In essence, he's saying, remember, these stones were to be a sign to future generations. It reminds us of the power of God. It reminds us because we have poor memories. God could do something incredible for us today, and the next time we hit a roadblock, what do we do? We freak out, and we've forgotten what God can do we got to remember. It's important that you remember what God does because past victories prepare us for future miracles. Let me say that again. Past victories prepare us for future miracles. In fact, if we don't tell others, the future generations, what God is doing and what he has done, it's going to get lost. They're going to forget. As a parent... If you're anything like me, if there's anything I want my kids to know, I want them to learn from my mistakes. I don't want them to repeat the same things. I want to be able to tell them, man, you don't want to do it that way. That'll lead you down the wrong road. We need to tell the next generation. God brought us this far as a church family. And so you could be saying, well, what's next, Chad? I mean, we we focused on the kids early in the beginning, and God blessed that. We focused on the students, and God blessed that, and that's what's brought us to today. What's next? Well, can I tell you, again, we're just beginning. Now that we focused on our students, and we've got things established for them, we've taken care of the house, if you will. It's time to move on the outside. We have only just begun to break the tip of the iceberg on outreach. And it's time for that to be something that we are willing to do. And outreach is going to be our next thing that we step into. Because there are people throughout this community, 22,000 reasons. It's why we 
took on that space. In this whole surrounding area around Maryville, there's 22,000 people. Some of them go to church, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them may not even know the name of Jesus, and that's why we're here. So it's time. When, when, you, when you move into a house, man, you fix up the inside, but when the inside's done, then you go start working on the outside. And we're not just going to work on the outside of this building. We're headed out to bring people in. It's why we built the space. We're going to use that space as well. We're going to use every portion of this building we can until we can't fit another soul in here, and we'll do something then as well. We'll adapt, we'll change, we'll do, we'll grow because we have a possession mentality. We want to see our people growing in worship, in God's word, and in community. You know small groups is a huge part of what we do. As we get bigger, we got to keep growing smaller. That sounds weird, Chad. What I mean is you have to have that small group, that community of people. You could get lost in the shuffle. We don't want that. We want you to remain in community. There will be some steps of faith on your part. Can I tell you that? There will be some steps of faith on your part. You may have to step into the water before God begins to move. And the best way to do that is by remembering His faithfulness in the past. It'll direct your actions in the future. Here's the sad thing about this. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua has died. He's gone. And the Israelites began to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Look at verse 10. Joshua chapter 2. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. How sad. They didn't even know about it. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served other gods. It says serve Baals. That's other gods. The next generation didn't even know the Lord. In one translation, it says they did not remember. They forgot. Lives were lost. Battles were fought. Prices were paid in order to get them to that point, And they forgot. Can I tell you, I don't want to be there. I'm reminded today of where we have come from. I'm reminded today of the faith it took of the first 32 that were willing to come over here, buy this building, do all of this remodeling. I called Randy Arnold this week. I wanted to remember this. I, I'd been told before, but I wanted to make sure I had my numbers right. We're celebrating eight years of this opening. Did you know eight years ago when they had their first Sunday, there was eight inches of so, snow the night before? I said, did everybody show up? He's like, those 32 had to show up. We told them, if you don't show up, we're coming to your house to get you. <laughs> Second week, it was 14 below zero. Third week, six inches of snow on the ground the night before. Don't you think there were some people probably going, what in the world have we done? God, what are you doing? We're trying to do something for you and you're bringing all this weather on us? What in the world? But God was faithful. God took care of it. God came through. And they paid a price to get us here today. I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget what God has done. And this morning, let us remember the goodness of God in our own lives. And let us pass that on to the next generation. It's why 
we've been asking for your money. It's why we've been asking for your time. It's why we've been saying we got to have this space so we can tell the next generation. But we're not going to stop there. We don't want it to get lost by the next generation as we open this new space that we would show that generation who God is, that through our lives, we would show them and remember what God has done. We will never get into the promise of the future based on the price someone else paid. We're going to have to pay a price. We're going to have to do our part. I'm going to close with this. And if you're one of our baptism people, you can step out and go change if you need to do so. So we're finishing up on the construction. I mentioned just a few little things to do and we're done. Again, we got a little money still to raise. I can tell you, as excited as I am, there have been times when I have wondered, what in the world have I gotten myself into? What are we doing here? How is this going to work out? I was reminded in reading this story way back in the beginning with Moses. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. Moses is actually venting to God. And I want you to see what he says. He's frustrated in trying to lead the children of Israel. And here's what he says. God, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Listen to verse 15. He says, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. Wow. He was not in a good place in that moment. God had been providing for them and the children of Israel just continued to complain. And so God says this. They were wanting meat. Look at verse 20 at what it says. They were wanting meat. In verse 20, God says, I'll give them meat for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord. You want meat? I'll give you meat. And here's Moses' response. Verse 21. He says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if the fish in the sea were caught for them? Now look at God's response. God simply says, is the Lord's arm too short? In other words, have I not been faithful? Have I ever shorted you? Have I ever failed you? Is the Lord's arm too short that I can't do exactly what I say I'm going to do? Every time I've had that moment of doubt, is the Lord's arm too short? He has been faithful time and time and time and time again. Did it happen the way I expected? No. If you're going through something today, you're challenged by something, can I tell you? Is the Lord's arm too short? Has He ever let you down in the past? We serve an amazing God and He is up to something around here. So I'm going to ask you, will you bow your heads with me? Father, I can't help but just be grateful today as I am reminded 
of all that you have done to get us to this point where we are today. Lord, thank you for every person in this building who's paid a price. Thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. Thank you for the finances that have been given and sacrificed that could have gone somewhere else. But God, they've chosen to give to the vision you have for the bridge. Thank you for every person you have brought in to this place. It's not by accident. It's on purpose. You have a reason for every one of us that are in this place today. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing here. Thank you that we get to share in this. God, as a family, we are celebrating together today, not only that we've been here eight years now and that you continue to just grow this place, God. This is a possession mentality that we're going to keep entering into the promises that you have for us. We're not going to sit back and just say, well, God, thanks for what you did back then. God, we want to keep moving forward in remembering what you have done. I pray that we would be challenged. God, for that moment that you spur something in our heart that says, I need to step up and be a small group leader. I need to step up and help in the youth ministry. I need to step up and do something for the children's ministry. I need to step up and be a part of the outreach. Whatever it may be, God, that we'd be willing to put our feet in the water and begin to see you do miraculous things. As that water begins to part, we cross by on dry ground because you're faithful. You're good. You take care of us. I pray that you would use each and every one of us. We don't know what you have in store for us, but I can't wait to be a part of it. I can't wait to see the new things you're going to do. And I pray that you would help us not to have that passive mentality, not to just pray about it, sit back and wait. But Lord, we'd be willing to step in to your promises, to step in and get our feet wet and watch you do miraculous things. Use us, Father. Collectively as a church, we are here today to say, use us. I want to be a part of what you're doing here at the bridge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.